0: The show you love with even more local local news news and more local talk. talk. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIB. Here's your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And a good Monday afternoon to you from the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we get things going on a very busy broadcast Monday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been doing a countdown. It is now T minus 50 days to the. Uh, Midterm elections on November 8th, a mere 50 days, believe it or not, for us to take a hold of as much information as we can, to discuss it, mull it over, and then uh, for each of you to uh, make intelligent and informed decisions as you fill out your ballots for November eight. And uh, today, this Monday afternoon, going to be a challenge. I've got 50 pounds of information to fit in a 5 pound bag today but we're we're going to do our best program note At 4 o'clock today, uh, we're going to uh, shift over to the NFL pregame show. It'll be a doubleheader tonight. The 0-1 Tennessee Titans versus the 1-0 Buffalo Bills. And immediately following that, it'll be uh, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Both 1-0. And you can hear that right here on... Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV, and also on Fox Sports AM twelve eighty. So let's get down to it. Uh, may I plant a seed? I want to talk a bit about Queen Elizabeth's funerals this morning. And uh, by the way, I've just been informed uh, the NFL may be a. Uh, oh, never mind. Nope. Yep, we're for sure on the NFL. Uh, for today. That was a different uh, text. A little, little bit slow. I got to tell you, I'm a little bit sleepy today. I may be a little slow on the uptake. Why, Mike? Why are you a bit sleepy? Well, I got up. In fact, I pretty much stayed up, although I dozed ahead of time. Got up uh, at 3 a.m. this morning so I could watch uh, both funeral ceremonies for Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the first, of course, at uh, Westminster, uh, Westminster Abbey, and then the second one at St. George's Chapel They're on the grounds of Windsor Castle. And I, you say, why did you do that? Well, there are a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that other than to say it has, um, it has brought up a question in my mind. And we'll open the phones a little bit later to talk about this question. But let me plant the seed with you now. As as I discuss Queen Elizabeth's services and my impressions that I drew from that this morning, question for you and me, what do you and I leave behind us? I've often used the metaphor of of a boat slowly moving through a very calm lake, and it creates a wake in the water, ripples behind that boat like a boat. What do you and I leave in our wake? And we'll talk. I want to plant that seed with you as we begin these discussions, and uh, then we'll open the phones a little bit later to uh, to talk about that. All right, let's talk about uh, Queen Elizabeth and the uh, funeral services this morning. Again, uh, started at 3 a.m. our time, and remember, London is uh, eight hours ahead of us. Uh, the first uh, service was at Westminster Abbey, and my my overall impression was very good use of scriptures, very appropriate uh, to Queen Elizabeth. And then there were a series of prayers from uh, quite a few different people uh, focusing on, on God's sovereignty, the Queen's service to Britain and the Commonwealth, and they were uh, very from a very diverse group of religious leaders. I thought that was very well done. And as a pastor, what I really liked about it as well is each of those prayers was either sixty seconds or less. Now, my friends, and I speak here as a pastor, getting pastors and religious leaders to do a prayer that 60 seconds or less <clears throat> is a minor miracle in and of itself so i i thought that was quite well done of course everything everything about each of these funeral services this morning both at westminster abbey and uh, at windsor was timed pretty much down to the second and so I know that these, I think the dicta probably went out early, you have 60 seconds and that's it. Uh, but I thought those 60-second those or less prayers were quite good and very, very effective, very effective. Uh, overall, what, what I drew from that was there was a focus on God's sovereignty and the Queen's service to Britain and the Commonwealth. And it was not, uh, I I would say, overt. It was not flashy. I I think like her personality, it was probably understated, but regal. Uh, Understated, but effective. Understated, but poignant. Poignant. I think what I got from that was a, a sense of Queen Elizabeth's commitment to serving the nation. And if, if you remember your history, if you've been watching any of the mini documentaries there, you'll, you may have picked up the fact that Queen Elizabeth back then, Princess Elizabeth, committed to serving her nation before she was queen. During World War II, she was, and I forget the name of it, but she was part of an auxiliary that learned how to uh, be mechanics for military vehicles. In fact, she got underneath the hoods and learned uh, how to to fix engines and uh, to drive some of these vehicles as well. And so before she was even a queen, she committed to serving her country. And she delivered on it. She delivered on her promise. And good, bad, or indifferent, she really personified making her service to her country first, even before family. And it was interesting, one of the documentaries pointed out that her, and this was from one of her secretaries, I guess you could say, Uh, Her life was planned out two or three years in advance. Can you imagine that? Having your future planned out in detail two or three years in advance. Now, there's no question about what you're going to do a week from Saturday. There is no question as to what you were going to do probably two years from Tuesday. Her life was planned out in detail way ahead of time. And she took that to be her commitment, her commitment to serving her country. And she remained in her seventy years of serving her country apolitical. She really functioned as an ambassador domestically and internationally for for Britain and uh, and the Commonwealth. And we talked about that a little bit. Uh, a week or so ago, in terms of, do we have that function here in the United States? A couple of callers said, well, maybe the Secretary of State. I thought about that a bit, and I think that is more strategic in terms of of politics, international politics. Uh, It's more of a strategic role, but I think our ambassadors to other countries are probably more akin to what Queen Elizabeth's function uh, was and the function of, of the royals. Uh, and I, I felt that there was a, a clear focus on, on Scripture during these two services and the Queen's partial role as defender of the faith. And defender of the faith means, in context, the Anglican Church. And again, I was impressed by there were quite a few different denominational leaders Uh, from diverse backgrounds that were represented. And I I think it was a testament to Queen Elizabeth's ability to build and maintain crucial relationships. And I think these funerals this morning also reflected her boundaries of appropriate distance, if if you know what I mean, Uh, balanced with a commitment to be present, with her people to be appropriately present and it it brings to mind her identity throughout the world was as the queen of england and an ambassador both to britain and to the world of england not a not a prime minister role but as a goodwill ambassador and even more than that as an ambassador of Tradition of history and of changes in the present and of growth, as well for a nation. Uh, I, and I, <clears throat> I'm amazed at her ability to do that over seventy years. And I, I just credit her with that ability. And I'm I'm always respectful of and I stand in awe of people who. Do their functions well, and so let me depart from Queen Elizabeth for a moment and talk about someone else who does their function very, very well. In the midst of mortgage rate, mortgage rate, uh, mortgage rate increases, a toy. I've been up since three o'clock watching this, and I'm. I'm a little sleepy, not as sharp as I normally am. Anyway, mortgage rate increases are impacting home sales. Wall Street Journal reports home sales are down an average of 20% from this time last year. And that means I consult in terms of real estate. The only agent I would trust was selling my own home during a market slowdown, and that's Dan Phipps. Do you have a growing family, or are you working from home and you need more space? Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. His home selling program, as you know, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control, and I love this thing. No required costly repairs. No long-term contracts either. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Now, Dalton and Oakdale had a great house, had planned on fixing it up throughout the years, but life got in the way and Dalton was in a panic because Dalton needed to move out of state and the house needed uh, more work to sell at a decent price. Well, here comes Dan Phipps. Dan was able to sell the house quickly for a great price, get this, without any repairs, or upgrades, believe it or not. Well, call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I would hire to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, dot com. Talk more about Queen Elizabeth and uh, you and I. What do we leave behind us? What do we leave in our wake? We'll talk about that in three minutes. 209 551 3483 as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, I, uh, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning and uh, watched both funeral services and all the pomp and circumstance and the processions, etc., uh, related to Queen Elizabeth's uh, two, two funeral services, the first one at uh, Westminster Abbey, and then the second one at St George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, and by the way, quite dramatic ending there. Her first of all, it's amazing to me to watch the uh, military men, and I, I understand they have to be uh, an average of six foot four tall in order to do this. They're the ones; eight of them carry her casket. And by the way, it is a lead-lined casket. So uh, in addition to the normal weight of a casket, you've got that lead lining. These eight guys, four on each side, carry that casket on their shoulders. They, they did that multiple times this morning for two funeral services, and especially at uh, St. George's Chapel there at uh, Windsor Castle. They have to go upstairs with the casket. Absolute, it, almost a superhuman thing to watch, and I'm I'm guessing those guys lift weights. I'm I'm very impressed uh, by them. But anyway, uh, I was also impressed by the fact that both services were a testament to the fact that even before she was crowned queen, she committed to serving her country, and and she did that. I'm a big proponent of under-promising and over-delivering versus over-promising and under-delivering. I think Queen Elizabeth promised one thing and for 70 straight years delivered, and I would say maybe even over-delivered. It is just an absolutely incredible life to look at, and that's why I was up at 3 a.m. You say, well, Mike, why didn't you just catch the highlights? Because I wanted to get the feel of the live event as I was watching it in in real time, and again, a couple of my observations: uh, both the use of, of scriptures, uh, the the use uh, of of songs and hymns, and also the comments by those who were presenting, including the Archbishop of Canterbury. Was all a testament to God's sovereignty and the Queen exercising her sovereignty in a consistent manner. Both very, uh, very impressive to me. And again, for her to remain so apolitical, non political, as really an ambassador for the crown domestically and internationally is something to study. And I think the history books as as people examine her life will give her a lot of credit for that. and And again, uh, I was very impressed by uh, the the diversity of denominational leaders that came and and read scripture and and those who prayed as as well. and I think I, I think that's a testament to the fact that she, While having appropriate distance, because I think you have to do that or you're overwhelmed with the function, with appropriate distance, she was also able to be among the people and to establish the reality that she cared about them and about the nation itself and was able really to maintain those relationships. And it it absolutely an incredible study. Now, I, I was thinking for you and me, what's our identity? Now, Queen Elizabeth's identity to the world for 70 years was Queen of England. Now, what's our identity? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? I don't want to be known for a title. I don't want to be known as pastor. I don't want to be known as radio talk show host. I don't want to be known as French horn and trumpet player. I don't want to be known as uh, an entertainer. I don't, uh, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, even even as a, a uh, leader of, of prayer groups of, of pastors, I, I don't want to be known for that. And I'll, In a couple minutes, I'll I'll let you in on what I hope to be known for. And whether that comes to pass, I don't know, but I'm doing my best to do that. So my question for you is, what do you want to be known for? And that has a lot to do, I think, with our identity. What is your identity? I have become over the years very clear on my identity And that's influenced by my worldview, but my identity drives how I respond to different situations, to different people. And so what it comes down to, my question is, what do we leave behind us? A a critical spirit, discouragement, anger, a defeated spirit, hypocrisy, or do we leave an encouraging spirit, realism, a listening ear? Consistency, a, a giving servant heart, grace, compassion, a work ethic. Let's talk about it in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, 209 551 3483, Power Talk 1360, KFIV.
0: The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360, KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, a program note uh, about uh, oh, maybe 26 minutes or so from now. Uh, We will be joining the NFL as they uh, begin the pregame coverage of a doubleheader this afternoon. Uh, The Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. And then shortly after that, it's the, uh, or in fact, immediately after that, it'll be the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And that'll be here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Also, on Fox Sports, AM 1280 as well. So it's uh, a big football night this uh, Monday night uh, here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. All right, again, I uh, stayed up with my wife, and beginning at 3 o'clock in the morning, we watched uh, both funeral services. Uh, the first one, of course, at Westminster Abbey, and the second one at St. George's Chapel at uh, Windsor Castle. And uh, by, by the way, the the ending was very dramatic, although uh, on the feed I was watching, you didn't catch a lot of it. But at uh, at the very end at St. George's Castle, uh, uh, St. Uh, George's uh, Cathedral there, um, there, there was a poignant moment at the end, which I think a lot of people may have missed because of the way the, the camera shots were done. At the very end, there was a a bagpiper who was playing and then walked down a corridor and away. So the bagpipe sound slowly drifted away. What was happening in the main part of St. George's Chapel was that the queen's casket slowly descended into the area beneath uh, where I, I forget how many, but many of the, the royals uh, who have died, uh, their, their caskets are there. Of course, she would uh, join her husband, Philip, uh, there. So a very poignant ending as that casket descended down uh, into that, uh, I guess you could call it uh, the, the crypt. Uh, so I... I was thinking in the aftermath of that, and and this is my question I pose to you. What do you want to be known for? Queen Elizabeth charted that path early on before she was even queen, saying she was going to serve her country. She did that faithfully for 70 years. What do you want to be known for? What's your identity? Two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Now, I was um, I was going to say that here's my identity. My identity is not as a radio talk show host. My identity is not as a trumpeter, French horn player. My identity is not as the CEO, president of Advancing Vibrant Communities. My identity is not wrapped up even in being a radio talk show host. I wear many different hats in the community. None of them are my identity, not even as a pastor. What do I want to be known for? I want to be known for being a man of God, a follower of Christ, and a man who did his best to love God with everything he had and to do his best to love his neighbor as himself. That's my identity. Now, will I do that perfectly? Have I done that perfectly? Absolutely not. Now, wrapped up in all of that is being a a good son, being a good husband, being a good father, uh, being a good brother. Neither of our children are married yet, so we're not quite at the, the grandparent stage yet. But anyway, that, that thinking about uh, Queen Elizabeth and, and what she la- left in her wake, That those are my thoughts. I'd be interested to know, what about you? What, what's your identity and your opinion? What do you want to be known for? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. By the way, last, uh, last week, of course, uh, a lot of talk about the 50 illegal immigrants uh, who were shipped up to Martha's Vineyard. And there was a a very interesting column by Gloria Romero. Do you remember Gloria Romero, a former California state senator? Uh, She was the Democratic majority leader of the California Senate for three years, I think, 2005 to 2008. By the way, the first first woman to ever hold that uh, leadership position. She wrote an op-ed piece uh, for DailyMail.com. And this weekend, she was uh, interviewed by Steve Hilton. And, And I want to run some of her comments by you because although I will not always agree with Gloria Romero, I did agree with some of her comments here. And as you know, I advocate listening to people I might not normally listen to for for the purpose of understanding why they think the way they think and also for the purposes of helping me understand why I think the way I think. I think that's very important. So anyway, Gloria Romero was on with uh, Steve Hilton uh, last night and uh, she began talking about her perspective as a latina on the transport uh, transport of those 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's vineyard let's listen to her initial comment
2: about that well basically as a latina as a democrat as an american it, it was it you know we can ignore the crossing of 2 million migrants and just ignore it by the mainstream media, not do anything about it. The president never going to the border. The so-called border czar refusing to go to the border. But it took 50 migrants showing up on the most exclusive, woke, democratic enclave in America, Martha's Vineyard, without a leaf blower, without nice. yes, and that's how they talk about it. But without a leaf blower, without mops to go clean the house of the very woke elites to basically declare it an emergency, bring out the military, and to solve this border crisis within, what, a day and a half. It is offensive, and it just shows the complete breakdown and hypocrisy of, sadly, the, the talking heads in the Democratic Party yes. in America today.
1: Now, remember, this is a Latina Democrat, someone who has served as uh, really, in a very important and influential position as a California state senator and the Democratic majority leader in our Senate, and I think she reflects the opinion as I'm starting to hear it of a, a lot of Latinos who are saying, and, and those who are Democrat who are saying. The things we're seeing right now don't add up to what we believe and the course that we want charted for our nation. And so when I, when I mention from time to time, I think the, the issues of examining our policies today in California and nationally as well, I, I really believe that it's not so much a Republican, Democratic, Independent, whatever, third-party, fourth-party, fifth-party issue. It's an issue of we used to be able to agree on the goal. The the problem was in the details of how to get there. The goal being we accepted the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights as, as our plan, as our master plan for the United States of America, and we accepted... Uh, the, the tenets of the Declaration of Independence as why we established the union in the first place. You see, we're losing that now. We're, we're getting way away. It is no longer about we have a common common goal in mind, and it's not just a difference on how to get there. There are completely different goals today, completely different goals. And one of them is the deconstruction of the United States of America as we know it. Now, uh, Gloria uh, Romero also talked about uh, border priorities. And I, I resonate with her opinion that the first thing to do is we have to secure the border.
2: You get in a car to drive. First thing you do is you put on your security belt. Same thing as well. We know that it is an open border. Interestingly, some of the interviews that were done with migrants when they were interviewed in Martha's Vineyard said, hey, you know what? The border is wide open. Thank you, Joe Biden, for opening the border. So we all see it. We know it. And so we've got to go ahead, secure the border, because if not, we're looking at continued Human trafficking, the crime wing, sexual assault, the drive of fentanyl, fentanyl and drugs, exactly. it's killing us.
1: Good. Now, do you agree with that? Can, can you align with that? I think uh, a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats can align with that and independence and say, yeah, that's that's a general goal that we need to get control of the border first. And once we have control over it, then we can look at immigration reform, something we haven't done well in the past, by the way. And then uh, let me uh, let me squeeze in her her third comment here. Uh, Bill Clinton had been uh, interviewed earlier yesterday on CNN, and he was asked by the interviewer, uh, or, or he was responding to the interviewer's statement that there has to be some order or control at the border, and. Uh, The former president Clinton basically said, Yeah, I I agree with that in not so many words. And here's Gloria Romero's response to um, um, Bill Clinton.
2: And now Bill Clinton has spoken. So let's see overall if we can get some return to sanity within the Democratic Party that really has been lacking on this. We need leadership. We need a voice. We cannot continue ignoring what is happening on the southern border that the rest of us can see. And that's why you've seen as well, too, so many, especially Latinos, leaving, walking away from the Democratic Party because the leaders, there's a gap between the so-called talking heads of the Democratic Party and the rank and file. And yes. I think we're going to see a wake-up call this November.
1: What do you think? Do you agree with uh, Gloria Romero's perspectives there? That that our, our policies right now under the Biden admi- administration are are working against us? And that the first thing we need to do is get control of the border? Do you agree with that? 20095513483 we'll explore that more coming up in 3 minutes here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV
0: take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show this Monday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. In about uh, 10 minutes, by the way, it'll be an NFL doubleheader the uh, Tennessee Titans versus Buffalo Bills, and immediately following that, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and on Fox Sports AM 1280. So that's coming up in, in just a little bit. Uh have been, been talking of of late about Gloria Romero and some interesting Um, I think some very interesting perspectives as a, as a democratic leader of the past in California saying that she really disagrees with the Biden administration's handling of the border and her, as she said, her, her first priority would be to get control of the border. And then let's proceed to how do we, how do we form formulate and execute a rational, reasonable, and effective, and just immigration policy. Now, to me, we, we can't point a lot of fingers here because Republicans have kicked this can down the road uh, the same way that a lot of Democrats have as well. So I'm not faulting one party or the other, other than to say right now, And I'll just call it like I see it, the Biden administration is just creating chaos through uh, whatever their policy is uh, on the border. And as Gloria Romero has articulated, she also feels that it's uh, dysfunctional and and dangerous. Talks about uh, many of the women who are being sexually assaulted, talking about the fentanyl coming over the border. And I, 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 just, I just feel that the Biden administration is being tone deaf to the United States of America populace. The, and what I am growing to believe now is really a majority opinion that what we're doing right now in terms of our immigration uh, policy on the border is not good. In fact, it's dangerous as well as being dysfunctional. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Is that where you'd start? Getting control of the border? Do you think that should be our first priority? Our number, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Also, speaking of the border, uh, this uh, breaking about an hour ago from Bill Malugin down in uh, Southern California and on the border, uh, he's saying it's official, for the first time, migrant encounters at the border have surpassed 2 million people in one year. That's a record, 2 million. Uh, 2 million people in one year. Now, alone in August, alone in August... Customs and Border Patrol reports there were 203,598 migrant encounters at the border just in August. So, so far, and we're not done with fiscal year 2022 yet, there have been uh, 2,150,370 migrant encounters, and we still have a month left to go in the fiscal year. This is not good, and and the problem is, I think a lot of people feel powerless. The federal government's not listening, and that's true. That's true. I it, it, they they do appear to be tone deaf to people from both sides of the aisle, from third-party representatives as well, appear to be tone deaf. Will they respond to this, or will they put us? Will they drive the immigration car over the cliff, or into the Rio Grande River? Either one. On other news, by the way, here in uh, here in California, Governor Newsom has agreed to debate his opponent Brian Dolly on radio on October twenty third. I believe that's. Uh, going to be on uh, public uh, radio, PBS. And there's no word yet if uh, Mr. Dolly has agreed or not. Uh, So there, again, Governor Newsom is saying, yes, I will debate my opponent, Brian Dolly, on October 23rd. We'll see if uh, Mr. Dolly agrees to that. And speaking of debates, as we're talking about immigration and such, Uh, Governor Abbott in Texas has agreed to debate Beto O'Rourke on television on September 30th. And another debate is in the works for October 12th. That would be uh, Florida Governor uh, DeSantis, uh, Ron DeSantis, debating Charlie Crist on uh, television again on October 12th. Now, I know these are called debates. Those of you who have debated in school, in college, in high school, understand that what we know as debates are are not what happens on television. It's more like a forum. It's not really a debate, but at least we can get two candidates up there and hopefully a moderator who's not trying to shade things one way or the other, a fair mo- uh, moderator to ask some questions, and in the process of asking those questions to hear the candidate's perspectives and i'm not i don't relish them attacking each other uh, i think that's that part of it you have to you have to make known why you think your opponent should not be governor or senator or congressperson whatever it might be you have to let people know why you don't think they should be it but then i think the majority of the conversation needs to be about what why do you think you should be the governor or whatever office it might be convince me of why you think i should vote for you and i think one of the problems for a lot of republicans and conservatives in the past, especially here in California, has been the inability to message well, the inability to effectively say, this is what I'm for, to say, this is why I think the other person should not be governor, and this is why I think you should vote for me, and to be very specific with that, not this nebulous stuff, I'm I'm a patriot, but when it comes to campaigning, if you're just waving the flag, that doesn't do it for me. I don't care what letter you have after your name. I want to know what you stand for. I want to know what you stand for and how do you propose to deal with it? How do you propose to carry out what you stand for? That that's what's important for me and uh, I'm thinking of past gubernatorial elections here in California and i i'm not sure that i've heard a lot of effective messaging on that i really don't and i I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming up and i hope you are too and again we'll keep our finger on the pulse of all that here on the Mike Douglas show to give you as much information as possible all right nfl pregame coming up in a few short minutes here on power talk 1360 kfiv I'll see you tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m. on The Mike Douglas Show.